B-Pod Studios. The best show ever on 97.5 The Fanatic. We're on the line right now. She's, she, we need her right now more than ever because no one knows the Sixers better. And uh, sports in general, but Sixers right now, you know, you see her on pre and post. And nobody knows Kentucky better than from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Amy Fadul on the Comcast Business Hotline. How are you today, Amy? I'm good. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you? I'll take the second half of that. Now, I sit next to a, a human encyclopedia when it comes to basketball and pre and post games. So I'll, I'll defer to Jimmy Lynham on the first accolade you gave me. All right. Fair enough. Now, Amy, we've been talking about, because today it's like Sesame Street. You still have a kid at that age that would hypothetically be watching that. Um, mm-hmm. we're just doing the letter M and we were talking about, you know, it's Monday, they're playing Miami tonight and this Maxie Melton thing, um, and right mm-hmm. now it seems to be holding the Sixers back a little bit and you go back to Maxie, go all back to college and you know, this is the first time for a lot of us that has seen him be kind of out of sorts. And I mm-hmm. know that because he's so popular in the city and people like him, they're very, they're very quick to point out Joel Embiid or Harden or Doc Rivers, as you know, and everybody else. But right now... Maxie's kind of a net negative right this minute. Not mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he's going to be like that forever. What are you seeing from him? Because it just doesn't look like he's sharp right now. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, unfortunately. Out of sorts. You know, there was that post game uh, a couple of games ago. I think it was right before the All-Star break, two games before the All-Star break. And he finally kind of got his mojo back. And we hadn't seen it in a while. And it was after the Knicks game and the, the first Celtics game. And he just looked lost out there. And he said he had a tough time. He called his parents and um, wanted to talk to them. He called his college coach and wanted to talk to him and, and just needed to kind of have that touchstone of like, I'm going through it. I need someone to tell me it's going to be okay. You know, he said he felt better. But the more you kind of look at the last, we'll just say the last 10 games, because you could really look at the last probably 20, but let's say the last 10. It's really been a time of growth. Still, he's still working his way through the six-man role. And as much as he's going to say, yeah, I'm fine with it and I'm going to do it because he wants to be the team player, the numbers don't bear it out. When he's not getting the starter minutes, that was always the initial thing. It was like, all right, well, he's not the starter, but he's still playing 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 minutes. He's playing starter minutes, and he's always in to close the game. So it doesn't matter that he didn't start. Well, you look at the last 10 games and the ones like the Celtics game – where he has 25, 24, 22 minutes, the performance is as poor as it gets. And so you have to examine, is this the, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it he's getting less minutes because he's playing poor, or is he playing poor so he's getting less minutes? I think he's not getting enough minutes to get into his rhythm that he's used to. I think he's used to being out there, helping facilitate, running around. And when you only give the kid 24, 22, 25 minutes, like you did in the Knicks game or the those Celtics games, it's a little problematic for him. That's the Knicks game going up, obviously, uh, the one they lost, not the one they won. So you're thinking, all right, and then you look at his shooting, and you're, oh, well, there's only 10 shots he took. There's only eight shots he took. There's only one game in the last 10 that was single digits for shooting, and that was that Knicks game that they lost, um, and he was four for 10. So that's another thing. So he needs to start working his way through. Like, if this is my role and I am going to accept it, and that's something he needs to come through, obviously, then he needs to learn how to play in that role because he's not getting the last 10. You look at the games where he is getting those starters minutes and he is shooting, you know, 12, 14 shots a game, 16. 
it's much more his rhythm. It's much more his pace. And the numbers bear it out. And the wins come. And his points come. So to me, it's, it's, that question needs to be answered. Is he not getting starters minutes because he's not playing well? Or is he out there and you're thinking, oh, because I think it might be that. I think he's out there. He's struggling. He gets pulled. And then now he's that guy that's always looking over his shoulder. And that takes him out of sorts because he's not a guy that doubts himself, as he shouldn't. I mean, why would you doubt him? So th- that's the most concerning thing to me when you, when you kind of look at, you know, the microcosm of the last 10 and kind of, you know, extrapolate that out to his time as the sixth man. It's just, it's still feeling out. And to your point, like, if you don't get that figured out, that's going to happen in the playoffs. And that can't happen in the playoffs because then you're, you know, you're one and done. Not to use the Kentucky phrase. What's the proper way to digest what happened on Saturday night? Is it the fact that they went toe-to-toe with the Celtics in a coin flip game? Or is it more of, look, there is an issue with this team still and they can't get mm-hmm. over that hump? It's that. I mean, let's let's be honest. The Sixers have positioned themselves to be in the discussion for an Eastern Conference final. So going toe-to-toe with the Celtics, who you're in third and they're in first. Like, it's not like they're like the little engine that could. They're, they're in the seventh or eighth or ninth place and just trying to get their way out and make a name for themselves. And that Those days, I think, have passed. I think that they there needs to be like, some hard examinations as to why the Celtics in particular, they have struggles against at times. I mean, we've seen it. They can play as – Grizzlies game was amazing, and you saw them come together, and, they, and all the good things happen, and there have been so many of those moments. Um, you can go back to the Nuggets game. There's there's some the Kings game on the road. There's some really great moments with this team where they seem to have clicked and figured it out. And then you have the disappointments, and those are weighing harder because, to your point, it's like we thought we were in this conversation. We thought we were past all this examining, and we're not because we're not the the, the team that should just be happy hanging with the the one uh, the, the top team in the the standings. We're trying to be the top team in the standings. So what's holding us back? What is what is that kind of wall in front of us? And that's something they need to figure out. I mean, I do think it does go a lot way a long way with the the bench and figuring out the, the actual roles um, of these guys and if they have to be you know kind of reexamined. All right, but well, one guy who's who's taken some heat earlier in the season, PJ Tucker. How about, how about sixteen rebounds in this game against the Celtics? Is he coming to his own? And how much does he? How much of a role does he play going forward? Listen, we like to joke that we should wrap P.J. Tucker in bubble wrap and open in April. He is here for one role and one role only, and you see it. He's there for the playoffs. He's there for the giant killer. He's there for the big moments, and he's come through. Yes, I know that, you know, you're looking at his stats and you're thinking, well, I wish he wasn't a complete, you know, nothing on offense. Yes, agreed. There are moments where he has, like, eight points, and you're thinking, woo, look at you. But you look at some of the games where he has gone toe-to-toe with the other team's best player, and he, he does a very, very good job. The point almost where they have to, the, other, the opponent has to shut them down or, or reevaluate or kind of make some changes. On, and that's what he is. He's the disruptor on, on defense. So I think he's fulfilled that role. Not 100%, but I'll give him a 99 because obviously the 1% is you'd like to have him you know, be able to generate just a little bit more offense on a consistent basis. He has... Night three has, you know, a couple of his threes in the corner. He'll, he'll be able to, you know, get a putback. Um, but defensively and rebounding-wise, that is who you got. This is what you, you wanted from him, and you're getting that. He is a guy that's brought here for that sole purpose, to give this team that mental toughness. They also need to respond in kind. He can't be the one, I mean, let's face it, he's not a spring chicken. He can't be out there doing it by himself all the time, every game against the best teams. 
So I think that P.J. Tucker has acquitted himself just fine. Do I wish he was a little bit more consistent on offense? Sure. But do I take the good with the bad? Absolutely, because his good has been very good, and this is what you want from him. Let's just keep him healthy because you're going to need him when it comes April and May because that's what it's really all about for P.J. Tucker and for the Sixers, too. Yeah, for sure, Amy. Real fast, I want to ask you about this Phillies team. Now, uh, they got to the World Series. What's fair for the for the fans to expect of them this year? Because you're a very fair person. We're crazy over here. You're calm and fair. What should be the minimum expectations for this Phillies team uh, this season? Like, I want to say World Series. I really do. Um, I mean, it's so hard, and obviously everything mm-hmm. has to line up. And um, the World Series run was just hella fun. I mean, that was, like, the most fun of anything because it was so unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think the minimum is NLCS minimum. But in my mind, that's a World Series team they have. Obviously, the, you know, the chips have to fall um, in their favor, and they need to, to be able to get a really strong starting rotation. You look at what they were able to do last year without maybe a real strong starting rotation. And obviously, we know the bullpen had some issues at times. So I, and no definitive closer for months of the season. So I think that they're in a better position, if that's possible, um, with some of the position players they have. Obviously, the, the addition of Trey Turner, I think, is huge um, on the field and in the clubhouse. But if they if they address, then I think they address them to a certain degree, some of the pitching problems that kind of held them back at times and some of the bat problems that held them back at times. I mean, World Series is completely feasible. I think it is a rational thing to think that team should be back in the World Series. But I'll hedge my bet and I'll say NLCS. Well, fair enough, Amy. We appreciate the time. Um, as usual, and also uh, doing a fantastic job in pre-Sixers, pre- and post-game and all the many roles that you have, and we'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. See you guys at 6.30. Say hi to John for me. Oh, will do. Right. Will do. Thanks so much, Amy. That was Bye. Amy Fadul on the Comcast Business Hotline from NBC Sports Philadelphia.